You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Charlie. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast, brought to you by our very good friends at Alumni Hall the undisputed king of Georgia gear, the best selection, the best variety, the best deals, the best vintage collection, and definitely, no doubt about it, the best customer service. So if you are in the market for some new Georgia gear to get you ready for the rapidly approaching 2021 football season, Alumni Hall has you covered on every single front. You can visit them in-store in the Epps Bridge Parking Center here in Athens or online at alumnihall.com. So check in today and pick up your gear for the 2021 season before all the new arrivals are gone. You guys know the drill. I'm Tyler, and we are back on our normal recording schedule this week, which means for today's Mailbag Monday edition of the podcast, I am joined by my ever-salty snarky, and oh-so-cynical co-host Charlie. What's up? What's up? How do you feel about those adjectives? Do you feel that fits you? Doesn't bother me. Now, I will say, those are not it's my not words. not the first time I've heard it. Those are not my words. Those are actually words that our wonderful listeners have used to describe you um, in the past couple weeks on our, our most recent reviews. Actually, on Instagram Live, on the, the session we did earlier in the week, I think somebody said... Something about you being cynical. Like, do you feel like you're a cynical person? You feel like you are. I don't. Snarky. I can see how. Oh yeah, for sure. You're definitely snarky. Right. Cynical. I I understand it. I get where I I get how you could come off on this podcast as cynical, but I don't think like. I'm just, pretty happy go lucky. Generally, yeah, generally speaking, I think I think it's someone new I'm outside the podcast. Realistic. But you're definitely salty and snarky. Oh, like well, yeah. no doubt. Doesn't that like make that's more spot fun? on. I, no. th- I think it's an acquired taste. <laughs> Let's go with that. That's fine. I'm okay with no, that. No, and, and this is—it's not like listeners are, are putting reviews out there just slamming you. No, they they say it in like a, a fun-loving way, as in like it's endearing. So it's cool. I think it's it's good, right? Yeah. I mean, what I mean, what else would you? I'll take it. What other words would we use to describe you? Certainly not passionate. <laughs> certainly not, not no. intense. No. Uh, certainly not excitable. Probably not, no. No. Salty, snarky, even Although keel. I will say, I had to run at the gym the other morning with that storm that came through, and I forgot my Kindle, 
So I had to watch Netflix while I ran. Yeah. And I couldn't find anything, but Friday Night Lights popped up. Oh my God, what a show. Which I watched when what it first came out, and I yeah. haven't watched it since. And it's a good thing I had What's a towel. What's it been like a decade now? Because I would, like got pumped up. Never thought I needed football more in my life. You got Very pumped up. Very excited. Whoa, 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 whoa. And then at the end of it, I was crying. No. Not wiping away sweat, but tears. No. Just you are making like this one, up. Like one tear. I've tier. never seen you even come close to crying. And then you can consider crying in my life. Yeah, I know. I don't really cry. Friday Night Lights. I tell you. got me. A fantastic the pandemic. Show. I never knew I needed football so much. High school football. So is I like, apologize to the people next to me at the Clemson game if I just like have a breakdown. <laughs> it's been it's been a like even last year when I was going to games. I know you went to a couple games. Yeah, but those weren't real. That's no, so what I'm saying. Like like going to the, I went to the Alabama game last year and sitting there in Bryant Denny Stadium in Tuscaloosa. I was like, okay, it's really cool. I'm really fortunate to be to be able to be at this game. But it was like antiseptic is the only way I can describe it. all the games that we went to last year that I went to. It is just. I don't know. Yeah, so I, I think you're right. Like when we get into an actual full stadium for a game of that magnitude, even if it was just like, even if we opened with UAB, just being in a full stadium, I'll probably have that moment at home when we play UAB. I probably will. Like being back in a full Sanford Stadium for the first time. You don't think it would happen at the Clemson game? No, I'm saying I'll have that moment all over again in Sanford Stadium. Oh, yeah, so two weeks in a row. Yeah, two weeks in a row. I apologize. I might do it every week that are this near year. Me. Yeah. I, Honestly, I, I might just be bawling every single... I, I think I will appreciate it more than I ever have in my life. I, I really, truly believe that. But, all right. Speaking of reviews, talking about some of those words coming out of the reviews, they do keep on rolling in. Um, and we really appreciate that, guys. So we've got a couple of shout-outs today. Big thank yous go out to Julius3, Beak 96 TJ Evans, Zach UGA. And these last two, I can't remember... If I've already given them shout outs, so I'll just err on the side of caution here. I don't want to like accidentally leave someone off. So if it's a second shout out, it's cool, no big deal. So two more big thank yous to PNW Dog and Christopher Pearson. Thanks to all of you guys for taking the time to support us in another way outside of just listening to the show. Listening to the show is obviously the best way to support us, clearly, but that little extra help, man, it really does go a long way. And uh, guys, we are right there. We are right there. So close right now. We're at 200 and 98 five-star ratings and reviews, just two reviews short of our goal of 300 by the start of the season. And, and we've got two weeks. We've got two weeks left to cross that threshold. So if you enjoy our podcast and have not had a chance to rate and review it on Apple Pods yet, you quite literally could be the one that puts us over the top. So if you're sitting there one day just bored with nothing to do, I don't know when that happens. Uh, this time of year, I dream of that happening. It's just, uh, there's very little downtime for me, but it's my favorite time of year, so it's all good. But if you happen to find yourself with just a little time to spare, consider us helping us out with a five-star rating review. It is very, very much appreciated. And Charlie, I gotta ask you, did you get a chance to check out our first Instagram Live video last week? I did not. I don't have Instagram. Yeah, somebody was at, like somebody on there, one of the questions was, Hey, this is great, but next time can we get Charlie and Curtis on here? I'm like, well, maybe Curtis, but Charlie, uh, she doesn't have Instagram. It's a, and I think, I mean, honestly, it's, can we say it's a minor miracle that you even know how to work Twitter? Well, I mean, I've been doing that for like over 10 years. No, I feel like you were late to that game. I'm sure I was late, but I've been on it. I've gotten the, like, right. the 10 year anniversary like Yeah, yeah, thing. but just like knowing you, it's like. Notice, whatever it's called. You're. You're just so not, and I mean this with all the love in the world, not tech savvy. 
Is that? Yeah. Or no. just not interested. Like, it's not even not sex savvy. You just don't care. Obviously. You're just not interested. No, I'm not. Like, when you first came to the show, like, you have, you started a new Twitter account, and you were promoting it, we were promoting it here, and then, like, you just never tweeted. So I was like, I'm yeah, just I'm not even going to promote this. Yeah. I'm not even going to promote Sorry. it. Sorry. At, was it at Classic Charlie? Three, I think. Three? Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't even know. Do you even use that account? I do. Do you? I mean, Why? I, you never I tweet. look at the news. I don't need you to are, You are like a co-host of a, of a podcast here. And you don't yeah, ever... but I just don't need to go down the rabbit hole. All right. So anyway, you didn't see the Instagram live video. No. Didn't see it at all. No. Okay. Well, I'll have to... Would you want me to show you? You no, that's weird. I'm not gonna give you my. I'm not gonna give you my phone and see here and watch you watch me on my phone for like an hour and fifteen minutes. But regardless, it went really well. I, I really wasn't sure how it would go going into things. It was an hour and fifteen minutes. Yeah, it was like an hour and thirteen minutes, like seventy three oh, minutes. Pretty impressive. Yeah, it's far longer than what I what I thought it was gonna be. My I, attention span wouldn't last that long. Oh, I had a no, great time. You know, I loved it. I I really, really, really appreciate all of you that tuned in and uh, not just were watching, but also asking questions, interacting with me. That's what I love. I mean, just the interacting with you guys out there just uh, getting your questions just talking with you guys that that's what I love to do that was fun man so I wasn't sure anyone would show up but it was an absolute blast yeah I was planning like 30 minutes that was my idea it's like okay 8 30 I'll be out here by 9 no big deal but it ended up going like almost an hour and 15 minutes um, but we got a lot of questions a lot of interaction and I, I tried to stay until every last question was answered so if you missed it no worries if you're like Charlie and you missed it no worries just follow us on Instagram right now. Go ahead and do it right now. Pause the show. Do it right now because not only will you be able to join our future Instagram live sessions and interact with us directly, but you really don't want to miss all the awesome content we have planned for you once the season gets here. We're going to be at every single game this year, guys, as we are every other year except for last year with COVID. Uh, but we're going to be bringing you all the sights, the sounds, on location every single weekend. We're also planning to try to do some of these Instagram live sessions during halftime of the games just depending on the Wi-Fi situation. Sometimes that's hit or miss depending on where you are. We'll, we'll give it our best shot, but uh, we just don't know exactly how that'll work out, but we're, we're certainly gonna try. And guys, we're close to that next threshold. The deal was every 100 new followers we get on Instagram, we will do an Instagram live session. So we hit 200, we're almost at 300 already. So that might be happening this week. So go ahead, jump in there, follow us on Instagram. That's something you definitely don't wanna miss. We're gonna have some great content for you guys throughout this 2021 football season. But all right, Charlie, I think that covers everything. That's all the house cleaning items. We got some questions today. What do you got for me? All right, well, I think you're gonna like our lead question today. And I'm gonna put the over under for your answer at 20 minutes. Well, why the shade? I mean... Unnecessary. I feel like that's Charlie, generous. Charlie, follow my logic here. This is a Georgia podcast, right? It's also a Georgia podcast that, like, our what we do here is we try to bring you the in-depth, like, hardcore stuff, yeah. right? It's so, fine. I was kidding. Take your time. You're just such it's a okay. hater. Such it's a hater. Right. I will take my time. But our first question is from James. Okay? James. Says, he was waiting to ask this question until it got closer to the beginning of the season. So, mm -hmm. he wants to know, what does the path to victory look like against Clemson in week one? What do we need to do in order to be ready for it? And what do we need to be able to do in order to win? This is a great question. This, this Charlie, I really like this as our first question. Good job. Over under 20 minutes. Everybody make your bet I'm now. going under. I'm going to go under. I'm going under. All right. Put your money on under, guys. All right. All right, let's do this. All right, so if you're trying to answer this question, okay, so Wait, what did is, you say under? I said under. Okay, I'm, going well. on, I'm going under. Are you even My memory, are you here? No, I wrote down what time it is so I know if it was 20 minutes or not, but I have a really bad memory. So you said under. I said under. All right, got All it. All right, so let's go. All right, great question, James. So 
What does our path to victory look like against Clemson? I think to answer this question, the way I would approach it, this is how I approach basically every game that I'm that I'm previewing and, and trying to let you guys know how I feel about it. I have to think about what does the team do well and how to counteract that. And then the flip side, what don't they do well and how do we exploit that? I think that's how you approach a game like this, really any game, especially a game of this magnitude. So let's think about this. What does Clemson do well? All right, well... I think if you I mean, think about all the love their defensive line has gotten this offseason, right? But it's not just their defensive line. Their defensive line is very, very good, very strong. They create a lot of havoc, absolutely. But it's the front seven in general and just the way they approach defensive football, their identity on defense that also kind of adds to that disruption. They, I mean, they are. They are as disruptive as any defense in the country and they do it primarily by blitzing. Yes, they have some good players up front that can get after the quarterback and just a pure pass rush but they blitz like crazy. Their blitz rate last year, guys, was 40%. 40%. That was 12th in the country. On third down, it goes up even higher. They were 51% blitz on third down. Over half the time, they were blitzing on third down. That was fourth most nationally. And not only are they blitzing a lot, they're very effective with their blitzes. They were fourth last year in quarterback pressures when blitzing. So they are a very effective blitzing team, and they are a blitz-heavy team. Now, that is a strength of theirs. They do that, and that is their identity. That is the core of what they do defensively. They're extraordinarily aggressive on that side of the ball, and that can really be very beneficial. That can help you a lot. It's going to create negative plays, and guys, I'm here to tell you, they are going to create some negative plays against us on September 4th, on that Saturday night. It's going to happen. So just don't lose your mind if they get a couple sacks, a couple tackles for a loss. It's going to happen it happens to everyone who plays Clemson. That's what this team does. But when they blitz like that, when they play as aggressive as they like to do on defense, they also are very vulnerable to big plays. And that has cost them some games over the past couple of years, especially last year as well. Uh, for example here, the coverage grade. Think about this. So when they're blitzing, this kind of makes sense, right? When you're blitzing, you don't have as many players back there in, in coverage. Their coverage grade drops to below 60 when they're blitzing. So if they get to the quarterback, which they're very effective at doing, then great. But if they don't, you have big play opportunities. Those opportunities are going to be there in the passing game, and they'll also be there in the running game. We talked about that with one of our scheme team episodes earlier in the in the offseason. We'll talk about that more next week as we get to the game preview show. So I think we're going to have some opportunities to take those vertical shots. You need to take vertical shots against Clemson, and you need to hit them. Now, don't just take them. You got to take them, but you also got to hit your fair number of them as well. That's how you slow down that blitz a little bit. So I think it's a very advisable idea to go into this game trying to take those vertical shots off of play action. Now, that's a catch-22, right? As aggressive as they are, they are going to react very aggressively to those play action fakes. So you're gonna have opportunities to fit the ball into some windows. But it's all about protecting the quarterback, right? It's tough. It's it's one of those things. Like, yeah, you wanna go to play action, but those plays are a little more slow to develop. Therefore, you gotta hold up in pass protection a little bit longer against a very aggressive blitzing defense. And that's tough to do. But yeah, they, they love the blitz, but there are holes in that secondary, especially at safety. Landon Xanders, guys, is an absolute liability for them in the secondary. Cornerback is also interesting for me. If you look at this game, without Darian Kendrick, Andrew Booth Jr., I think is a really, really talented player coming out of the state of Georgia, was at Archer High School. He's got the potential to be, I mean, I think an elite cornerback. He just hasn't been that yet. He's flashed at times, had a really crazy one-hand interception against Boston College. He actually kind of saved that game 
at the end of the day, I mean, it was right before halftime. Boston College was going to score, and they didn't. He got that interception. And uh, without that, Boston College might have actually won that game. But he's going to be a really good player. I think he's just got to kind of grow up a little bit. But there are some holes at cornerback. Landon Zanders, as I mentioned, is a guy. Nolan Turner, man, like Nolan Turner is a really good, solid player. Doesn't bust much. He's actually better in coverage than you think. He's a better athlete than people give him credit for. But he's still a guy that I think we can really, really take advantage of in the secondary if we get the right matchups there. So yeah, they're going to blitz, but we just got to protect the quarterback, pick up those blitzes, and try to take shots on the field because I think we're going to have opportunities, and I think that we can hit those opportunities if we can just protect the quarterback. I'd also say the offense coordinator here, Todd Munkin, is going to have to help out with play calling. How do you slow down the blitz? How do you take advantage of the blitz? Well, you work in RPOs. You work in screens to keep them off balance. All those things kind of you got to mix them in RPO screens, play action, vertical shots on the field. You got to keep Clemson off balance. Just have them thinking a little bit because the slightest bit of hesitation can be the difference between a big play and a sack. So that's how I, I would kind of attack their blitzing aggressive mentality defensively. And then offensively, they love to screen themselves. Speaking of screens, this is one of the most screen heavy offenses in all of college football. They were top 10 last year in screen percentage. Actually, over the past three years combined, they've been number one in the Power Five in number of screen attempts. Now, why do they do that? Well, they do it for a couple reasons. They do it, number one, to get some of their players and some of their playmakers in space. Guys like Travis Etienne, guys like Amari Rogers in the past couple years. And they also do it to slow down the pass rush. Because their offensive line guys, I told you this before, if you listen to the Instagram live video that we did last week, their offensive line is hot garbage. They're not good. They're just not. They're they are below average. For a team that has so much love and it has been as successful as Clemson has been over the past couple years, it's not because of a powerful dominant offensive line. That's not the case. Their offensive line is okay at best. So one of the things that they do to protect that offensive line is to screen the holy hell out of teams. It slows down the pass rush. It allows their offensive linemen, who aren't the biggest guys in the world, to actually get out there in space and block it and kind of use their athleticism as opposed to just sitting there trying to do pass pro against elite pass rushers. That's just not what they, what they do well. So they are a very screen-heavy team for a couple of reasons. So what does that mean for us? How do we go about preparing for and attacking that? So I think that we're going to have to be very selective when choosing when to bring the heat. Like, we're not a blitz-heavy team ourselves, honestly. Like, we're usually about middle of the pack. We're, we're not a super heavy blitz team. Now, on third down, that changes, but standard downs, not at all. And when we do blitz, we're just going to have to be creative in how we do that, how we show it. I think this is a game where, and we do this a lot as a rule anyway, but this is going to be a game where I would really use a lot of simulated pressure. What would be my simulated pressure? Like, Think about this, guys. Just picture this in your head here. When you see all those guys, like you have linebackers, you have uh, the guys in the secondary kind of lined up like as they're like as though they're going to blitz, like they're showing blitz, but then at the snap, they back off, right? And you have guys coming from different angles. That's simulated pressure, where you're trying to simulate pressure, show pressure to the offensive line to the quarterback, but you're oftentimes not really actually bringing more than four guys, which is not really a blitz. People will call it a blitz. Like when you see a cornerback come off the edge, but he's only your fourth rusher, is one of your outside linebackers is dropping into coverage. Well, to me, that's not really a blitz. Because to me, a blitz, I define it as more than four rushers are, are coming after the quarterback. So if you're only bringing four, I, I know some, a lot of people will call that a blitz because it's a guy like a cornerback or a star who doesn't normally rush the passer who's coming. I don't 
classify that as a blitz. To me, that's simulated pressure. So I would use that a lot, especially with a young quarterback who I know had two games of starting experience last year, but he doesn't have a ton of experience under his belt. Those are the kind of things that I would do to make him uncomfortable and to also not put ourselves in a situation where we're bringing all this heat and they hit us with a screen with a perfect screen call at the perfect time and they take it for a huge play. You got to be very careful and be creative in how you go about doing that. And I also think a big key to this game, again, we'll talk a lot more about this next week when we have our official preview episode for this game, which I've been working on for a while now. But we're going to need to stifle the run game with even numbers, which is kind of just a core tenant of what we do defensively anyway. But it's going to really assume a lot of importance in a game like this, especially when you look at the Clemson offense, guys. If you look at last year, the games that they lost, they simply could not run the football. Like their three worst performances. And they beat Boston College, but they almost lost to Boston College. They almost lost that game. So I would say their three worst performances last year were the losses to Notre Dame and South Bend, the blowout against Ohio State in the playoff, and then the home slight victory over Boston College, late victory over Boston College. So in those three games last year, they combined for 244 yards rushing and averaged 3.1 yards per rush. They had 34 yards rushing against Notre Dame, 44 yards rushing against Ohio State, and 106 against Boston College. That's that's not good enough, guys. If we can do that, which really the good defenses they played last year did, and Boston College was on a good defense last year, but Notre Dame, Ohio State, if we can do that, we're going to have a very good chance of winning this football game. Just look at the other nine games Clemson played last year. They averaged over five yards per rush in those games. The three games, well, two games they lost, the one they almost lost to Boston College, down to 3.1, almost a two yards per rush difference. They want to throw the football. Last year, guys, they were pass heavy. They were 54% pass last year, even with Travis Etienne, who, oh yeah, let's not forget, was the all-time, still is the all-time leading rusher in Atlantic Coast Conference history. And they threw the ball 54% of the time last year. And that was with Etienne. This year, with uncertainty at running back, I think that Will Shipley, the incoming freshman, will probably be their guy. Will it be week one? I don't know. But I have to believe he's going to be a big part of their game plan. And then we got, what do you got, Lynn J. Dixon? Neither of those guys right now are Travis Etienne. It's unreasonable to say that. So I expect them to probably be pretty pass-heavy in game one as well, especially if you consider the fact that the strength of our defense is our front seven, particularly our defensive line, and the perceived weakness coming into the season. And if there is a weakness, it probably is somewhere in the secondary. You have to believe that they're going to probably be pretty pass-heavy again in this game, at least in week one. You have to imagine that's going to be the case. So that's one thing to watch as well. And the other thing, the last thing I'll throw out here, because I'm going to save some of this for our preview episode next week. I would also really advise us to operate with tempo on offense. Now, Todd Munkin knows far more about football than I will ever dream of knowing. But just watching this Clemson defense, I don't have any numbers to back this up to go with this here. I, I couldn't really find anything, didn't really have time to. But just after watching all of their games last season and going through those games with a fine-tooth comb, and look, Todd Munkin, again, has watched far more Clemson tape than I have. But just based on what I have seen, and really going back several seasons, what Clemson tries to do defensively is they really try to check late on defense after the offense makes their check, right? So once the offense sees what, what the Clemson's lined up in, they make their audible, they make their check, and then Clemson will try to check real quick to kind of throw the offense off, to make what they're, well, the offense is audible to kind of irrelevant. Now, that can be good at times if you can get the checks off and you, got, and you can get your guys in position before the ball is actually snapped. But what happens, I don't want to say often, what happens from time to time is that when they're checking that late on defense, they can get out of position. 
And what does that do? That creates big play opportunities. Case in point, there's one player just off the top of my head here against Ohio State in the semifinals last year where Trey Sermon broke a big, long game, which is not uncommon. You can you can hit some big runs in Clemson defensive front with how they how aggressive they are. But they just simply weren't lined up. They were completely out of positions. They were trying to check late, and they couldn't get the check-in before Justin Fields snuffed the ball, hands it off to Trey Sermon. Trey Sermon goes a distance. Big play. So that's something that I would really, really try to work into our offense pretty regularly in this matchup with Clemson. I think that's something that we can use to exploit some of the issues they have and kind of just their defensive structure trying to check as late as they like to do. So what was that, Charlie? What's the number here? That was under? only... Yeah, it was only 13 minutes. I told you. I, that's not. Even, that's so under. That is under. Good job. So under. Congratulations. Let's kudos go. to you. Let's go. All right. Well, now we're going to... What is a kudo, by the way? It's like, good job. I know I, I know what people oh, mean when they say, good, what like, is a kudo? A, what is an actual kudo? Oh my gosh. Moving on. I've always wondered. I mean, this. when I think of kudo, I think of the granola bar. That's what I think of too. That is, is, that, is that what they're saying? I feel. I feel like that phrase has been around for a lot longer than no, the kudo it's bar. From what language is it? We don't need to look this up. We, we can look it up later. We can come back to this later. It's a Greek kudo is a Greek root praise given for achievement. So it's coming from ancient Greek. Uh, ancient Greek language. Kudo meaning. All right, it's not Japanese. ancient Greek language. Just just the Greek language. Kudo, my mind is blank. Okay, we're, we're going to move on. We can come back to this later. What's the second question? Well, we're going to stick with the Clemson. Oh, well, it's derivative of Greek. Um, so it's Greek. We, we established yeah. this. It's a Greek word. Okay, just yeah. curious. Sorry. Okay. I didn't know it was an actual thing. Well, you asked. I know, I know. It's my fault. It's my fault. Sorry, folks. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, we're going to stick with the Clemson theme. Richard wants to know what's your biggest concern about the Clemson game? All right, so I'm just going to kind of build off of what we just went through there. So again, go back to their defense. What do they like to do? What is their defensive identity? They're extraordinarily aggressive defensively. They like to bring the heat. They will bring pressure, and they do it about as much as anyone, especially on third down situations. So if that's what they do, what are we going to have to do? As I said, we're going to have to protect JT Daniels. That is my biggest concern. Right now, the offensive line, I there are a couple guys I have faith in, but there are going to be some new faces there, and we still don't know exactly how the offensive line is going to shake out. I'm concerned about who plays left tackle. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I would feel much stronger about having Jamari Salyer out there, even though that might not be like long-term what he 
is going to play in the NFL down the road. But I think with his experience playing that position pretty much all of last year, the exception of the bowl game, I would feel more comfortable with him out there against Miles Murphy. He's not a prototype left tackle, but he's experienced. He did a good job. He was a good to very good left tackle for us last year. And maybe a guy like Broderick Jones or Mims, who actually Mims is working more right tackle right now. He might be factoring the starting job there. Or Xavier Trust. Maybe they have higher ceilings there. Maybe they're better fits at left tackle. I just don't know if I trust them in this game against that defensive line. So protecting JT Daniels, I I think that's key because we are going to, like I said, we're going to have opportunities to hit big plays in the passing game with how they operate defensively. But it's simply not going to happen. We're not going to be able to take advantage of those opportunities if we cannot keep JT upright. And we know that he's not, like JT is functionally mobile, but he's not like a dual threat kind of guy. He's not going to extend plays to some great degree. So we've got to allow him to operate from the pocket, stay on platform, and take those shots down the field. To me, that is a huge key. And I have concerns about that when you're talking about number one, how strong Clips' defensive line is, their personnel up front, and then also on top of that, just how aggressive they play with bringing pressure against what could be, I mean, a couple guys playing for, like Tate Radledge has played a little bit, but not like, any meaningful snaps. I mean, you can say, sure, Xavier Trust played the bowl game. Xavier Trust was whew, not great. Can we just say that? Just not great. I know it was his first real like significant action, but that concerned me against some of the good pass rushers that Cincinnati had. And oh yeah, I mean, Clemson's pass rushers are a little bit better, right? I mean, that's just the case. So that's my biggest concern. And maybe it won't be a concern. Maybe I'm making too much out of, out of nothing here, but I, I'm going to be concerned about that until about halftime on September 4th. And then if we're if we're doing well at halftime, then whew, okay, overblown, maybe. But right now, I'm certainly concerned about that. All right. Well, injuries... Yep, injuries, oh my God, everywhere. Everywhere. Well, they've been an issue this preseason. It is a contact sport after all. It is. So Patrick asks, what are you hearing on Darnell Washington and Tyke Smith? If both are out for Clemson, which one is the bigger loss? Yeah, great question, Patrick. This is like certainly the most popular question we got on the Instagram Live video. People were coming in at different times, so I got to ask this four or five different times probably. And it's all, it's all good. Answered it four or five different times and I'll answer it again here for those of you who did not get a chance to, to hear my take on it there. Darnell Washington, Tyke Smith, man, this sucks. They're both, I was projecting them both as stars. Maybe Tyke didn't, wasn't going to end up winning that job. I, I project him as a starter though. Two starters from what I'm hearing are most likely going to be out for that Clemson game. Now Kirby is playing this very coy. Uh, he even said as recently as yesterday's press conference after the, after the second scrimmage that he, he expects to be full go with all these guys. All the guys are injured. Be full tilt, I think is the phrase he used, by the time the Clemson game rolls around. That's not exactly what I've heard behind the scenes, but Kirby's certainly playing that card right now. And look, I, I don't blame him at all. I, I would too. Like You don't want Clemson to know. And this is why Kirby doesn't like people coming to practice, guys. This is, this is why. He doesn't want the other teams to know who is injured, who's not injured. And also, he doesn't want families to hear about injuries on um, on social media or some report from some publication. He wants to talk to them directly. And he just doesn't like to put their information out there. Plus, it's kind of technically against the law for him I, I, with, with HIPAA like to say these things out loud without their permission. It, it's just a whole thing. Anyway, he's playing it very coy. Like He wasn't aggressive in the question. Like He wasn't like annoyed, but he just he was like, no, we're, we expect to get everyone back. I, I don't know if that's the case. So I right now, I'm operating on the assumption that they are not going to be playing against Clemson. That's kind of what I've been told. And like what I was told last week is like, we're thinking, I mean, 
potentially four, six, maybe even eight weeks. So I'm not anticipating them coming back until like October. And that's okay. Clemson, we obviously need them to play against Clemson, but the schedule kind of it lightens up there for a couple weeks before we get into October. So as long as they're back 100% full, ready to go in October for the stretch run, I think we're good. But yeah, I mean, I don't think they're, either one's going to play right now. If both are out for Clemson, which one is the bigger loss? I think Darnell Washington's the potential can be the better player, the more impactful player long term. But in this first game, I'm going to say Tyke Smith. And it's really because we just don't have the depth there at the star position. We have a lot of inexperience. Brini, I know, came on the last couple games last year, and he's been around a long time. He's been in the system a long time, which gives you some... That gives you some comfort level with him there. But my concern with Latavius Brini, and I thought he did some really good things for us when he got a chance last year. I was actually really impressed with how he played. And I'm rooting hard for the guy, not just for us to play well, but also just for him. He's a guy that could have transferred out. Him and Amir Speed both easily could have transferred out at any point. They stuck around, waited for their time, just put their head down and went to work. And you root for guys like that. So I really want to be wrong here. And I'm not saying that Brini can't do it because I don't know. I just haven't seen him show that he has the ability to cover some of those quicker, shiftier, and just elite receivers in the slot. And maybe he can. I just Again, he hasn't really had a chance to do that. He hasn't had a chance to show me that. But until I see it, I have questions. Just based on his physical profile, I think he's, he was very good against the run last year and, and did some really good things there coming up in, in run support. Also, like attacking screens, did some good, some good things there. But I haven't seen him hold up consistently in coverage against a guy the caliber of maybe a Justin Ross, who might or might not be 100%, but it's still Justin Ross. He's still a really, really good receiver who's going to be playing a lot in the slot in this game. So that is a concern to me. Again, maybe he can do it. I just don't know. I'm not saying he can't do it. I'm just saying I'm concerned there. And with the lack of experience, death behind him, it looks like Kamari Laster is getting some work as an incoming freshman uh, at the star position right now, trying to find a place for him because he's really impressed the coaches. And I think he'd be really good, but I mean, having no experience at all, going against Justin Ross, going against Clemson, DJ Uyunglele, that that's tough. So as much as losing Darnell hurts, I think losing Ty Key potentially will end up being a bigger loss against Clemson, especially with how much I think they're going to try to throw the football in this game. All right. Well, wouldn't you say that Washington's injury is magnified by the absence of Fitzpatrick? Because we basically have no experience at tight end right now. Yeah, that, that hurts. Like if I might revisit this question. You're right, Charlie. It's a good point. Right now, John Fitzpatrick has not he didn't practice in either of the first two scrimmages. He hasn't gone. He hasn't been fully cleared. So that is concerning. Because those are gonna be our top two tight ends coming the year. And you guys know I'm very excited about Brock Bowers. I'm very high on Brock Bowers. He's an incredible athlete. He's a guy that's gonna make some plays in the passing game. I do have some questions about him potentially. Uh, as a blocker right now because he's still got to grow into his body a little bit. He's got to get stronger. I mean, to go against these these Power 5 guys that he's going to be going against in, in week one in that defensive line, that's tough. And then we, who do we have behind him? Seether? Um, Goaty? Those guys haven't played at all. And both of them are kind of on the smaller side there. So one thing I really would like to see us do in this game is use, we already, already like to use a lot of 12 personnel, but Clemson's had issues with 12 personnel. Going back to like last year, I mean, again, the Ohio State game, they had some issues there. Ohio State hurt them with their tight end last year. And I was hopeful that we'd be able to do the same. But if both those guys are out, that is concerning. So that's a good point, Charlie. If Fitzpatrick cannot get clear and cannot get ready to go, and I don't know right now, I, I don't know. But if he can't get clear, that maybe, maybe Darnell is the right answer. But right now, I'm going to go with Tyke. All right. Tyke it is. 
Well, for our next question, Eric wants to know about the big boys in the trenches. So he says he knows nothing official has been announced yet, but he wants to know your prediction for the starting offensive line against Clemson. Then he wants you to give it a score on a scale of 1 to 10 of how good you feel about the offensive <laughs> line going into that game. Do I feel good about anything? I mean, when it going to a game like this, I'm you just like... You sound like me. I, I'm, well, yeah, I'm, yeah I'm, I'm doing my best Charlie impression. No, I'm uh, going to all these, especially a big game like this. I just, I'm like, my, my stomach's just in knots. I'm a ball of nerves. That's all I am. But, okay, good question. So, offensive line. So, here's what I'll, I'll tell you. Here's what I know the offensive line was to come out to open the scrimmage with the with the ones yesterday. It was Jamaria Sawyer at left tackle, Justin Schaefer at left guard, which is what I expected. Cedric Van Pran right now with Warren Erickson's injury at center, although Erickson's trying to work with, with the snapping with his non-dominant hand, which he was kind of doing with the twos yesterday. Then we've got Tate Radlich, who's just been impressing everyone since going back to the spring at right guard. And then Warren McClendon at right tackle came out with the ones, although I was also told that... Freshman Marius Mims got a lot of work with the ones at right tackle as well. So there might be some sort of rotation brewing right there. Maybe it's just a battle. I don't know, but they're both getting work with the ones. I would not be shocked to see Mims take that job at some point this year. I don't know in week one against that Clemson defensive front with with his lack of experience. But man, just from just a pure ceiling standpoint and just athleticism, his physical profile. I mean, I don't know if there's a better looking offensive lineman with a higher ceiling on our entire team, maybe even even the entire SEC potentially. So I don't know. That that remains to be seen there, how that right tackle position plays out. But right now I'll give the slight edge to McClendon because he did start with the ones. He does have the experience. But right now that's what it looks like. So if you think about this, okay, so if that's the lineup that we have going into the Clemson game, you have Cedric Van Pram and Tate Rattlers, two guys I think can be very, very good offensive linemen for us. But neither one of those guys has played a, a significant snap in their life. And they're going against that very, very, very talented Clemson defensive line in an aggressive, blitzing, attacking style defense where communication is going to be key. That's concerning. If it's Cedric Van Pran, who I think can be a really good center for us, I love his potential. But I said this last week, the center position is like the quarterback of the offensive line. You are calling out a lot of protections. You're identifying the mic, all those things that centers have to do. And that is a tall task for a guy in his first meaningful snaps against a defense that does what Clemson does and attacks how they attack. It's concerning to me. So how do I feel? I'm going to go a four. I'm going to go a four here. I, I, I like Sal. You're at left tackle. Schaefer is, has been a rock for us. Uh, I, I think we have really high ceilings at guard with Ratledge and also with Van Pran at center. And McClendon will see, but I just I, I have concerns. I have concerns on the interior with two guys I think would be really good, but just haven't been in that kind of situation yet. So yeah, I'm gonna say about a four right now. It was a how do I, how good? Do I, yeah, I feel about a four. Four out of ten. Four out of ten. Okay. That's where I am. All right, I like this next question, and I've got someone in mind, but I'm gonna let you go first. Randall wants to know who do you think is a sleeper player on this year's team that no one really talks about but could end up being one of the best players on the team by the end of the year? Okay, so sleeper guy that no one really talks about that much but could be the best player, one of the best players on the team. I don't know if this guy would qualify, but I'm going to go with Marcus Rosemead Jack Saint. He's a guy that was starting to come on towards the middle of last year, going to that Florida game. You know, he had the touchdown catch when, he, when his ankle basically fell off. And he's back. He's he's 100% full go, guys. He's ready. I've heard some really good things about him coming out of camp. 
He's been getting opportunities with the ones. I know a lot of people are talking about A.D. Mitchell. A lot of people expect a lot from Jermaine Burton, which I do as well. It would not shock me, though, guys, if Marcus Rosemey Jackson led this team in receiving this year. It wouldn't shock me at all. I don't know if I'm ready to call that yet because you just don't know coming off the injury, but I'm told he's going 100% full go. So I was really high on him coming out of high school. I thought he was the best of the bunch coming out of high school in that big recruiting class we got a couple years ago. Obviously, it didn't work out right away for him last year. Jermaine Burton was a starter, but he was really, really working himself into a key role with this team, especially with Pickens' injury, and was playing well against Florida. Obviously, had that touchdown catch. I love his athleticism. I love his hands. I love his physicality. I love his size. I love everything about the guy. I think that he can be a big-time wide receiver. And I I say I don't know if he qualifies because I think people know that name because he was a pretty high-profile recruit. But I think after the injury, he's kind of fallen off the radar a little bit. I don't think your average Georgia fan, talking about Georgia's best receivers, is going to mention Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint. But he's a guy that I think potentially could develop into our number one wide receiver this year. And even if he doesn't, he's going to be a key part of what we do in the passing game. I have no doubt about that. As long as he stays healthy, which, knock on wood, let's let's hope that happens. I'm going to go with Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint. All right. Well, I was thinking Trayvon Walker. Trayvon Walker. We know he defense. was a former five-star player. Yeah. Right? Right. He's made some plays in his first two seasons. A couple. Auburn, as a freshman, is a big one. That sack, yeah. Yeah, I just don't think the average Georgia fan is all that familiar with him. So he's not... Really, a topic of conversation. Yeah, you, I mean, people don't really talk about him like they do, like Jordan Davis or yeah. somebody like that. Yeah, I mean, that's actually a good one. And he's going to be a starter for the first time, right? So playing that five tech, I think Trevor Walker have a good be, year. The only, I, I think he could have a good year. The only thing I would say to that is playing the five tech demons event. It's just not a position where you rack up a ton of numbers, but he also has that versatility to move him around in different spots. So you know, Trevor, that's not a terrible answer. I'll give you that. I like it. All right. I like it. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Well, there's always a lot of interest around the freshman class because of the intrigue and hype that come with the newbies. So everyone wants to know who the next great player is going to be. And for our next question, Lucas asks, can you rank the top five freshman players in the 2021 class by your projected impact that they will have on Georgia this season? This season? Yeah. And I think I know who you're going to rank number one. So don't say anything yet? Right. I'm going to write it down. Okay. Write it down. All right. I'm writing it down. Okay. You're writing it down. Have you written it down? You've written it down. Okay. I wrote it down. All right. I think I can go now? Yes, you may. Okay. So I think the top two guys, obviously, in whatever order you want to put them in, have got to be Brock Bowers and A.D. Mitchell. I mean, the hype has been real on these guys going back to the spring. I told you that I, when we signed Brock Bowers, when we officially put pen to paper, this guy was going to be a monster for us. And he hasn't done it yet, but I think signs are pointing in that direction. A.D. Mitchell, he had a, a huge spring. 
And it could be one that, you know, we were all kind of curious to see, at least I was, okay, all right, he had this huge spring, had a good G-Day, but is it one of those things where he kind of hits that freshman wall and, like, he makes waves in the spring, but it, once we get to the fall and we get close to the actual season, he kind of falls back to the pack and is it as much of a factor? No, that is not happening. He is getting a ton of work with the ones right now. So I'm going to go, I might go A.D. Mitchell, number one. Brock Bowers, number two. And Brock's going to get a lot more work right now with some of the injuries at tight end. But I think I'm going to go with A.D. Mitchell, number one, because I think once Darnell Washington gets back, once Fitzpatrick gets back healthy, Brock is still going to play a lot. I just don't know if he'll play as much as A.D. once those other two guys get back. So I'm going to go A.D. Mitchell, one. Brock Bowers, two. Uh, Number three, those are two obvious ones to me. So the other guys that are in contention to play would be Marius Mims at right tackle. He'd be in contention there. I think Kamari Laster is a guy who wasn't here at all in the spring, getting getting him out of Tuscaloosa, Alabama. He's a guy I really liked his tape, man. And I was always curious, like, how was this guy ranked? Like, I think he was, like, I think he was, like, ranked in the top 250 somewhere. I think he actually might have ended up being a four-star when it was all said and done, but depending on what service you looked at. But when he when he first committed, he was just kind of like a, a three-star in the hundreds somewhere, 300, 400 ranking. And he's a guy that wasn't here this spring, but he comes in, comes in in the summer, and he is already making waves, earning the trust of the coaches, and they are trying to find ways to get this guy on the field. So, I, and especially with Tyke Smith potentially being out against Clemson, he might be a guy that could factor in the star position. We you know we have some uncertainty at, at one of the cornerback positions, at least with with Darian Kendrick probably holding down one of those spots. The other one probably Keely Ringo. Jalen Kimber's been hurt uh, uh, for the past couple weeks, so maybe last year can factor in there some sort of rotation. I don't know, so I've put him somewhere on this list. Um, I'm gonna, all right, so I'm gonna go Marius Mims three because I think he could be starting by mid-year at right tackle. I think that could be the case. Then I'll go Kamari Lasseter four and five is tough. I'm trying to think. Okay, five. Who else is even in the line? Nylon Green potentially a cornerback somewhere there. I really like Smile Mondin. I know the coaches really like Mondin. I don't know if there's a fifth guy that I see is like making an impact right now. Those four, I feel really good about getting on the field and making some plays. Chaz Chambliss is working with the twos right now. We don't have a ton of depth at outside linebacker, so he'll probably play a, a fair amount this year. I just don't know if it's going to be a ton for him to make like a, some sort of impact there. Oh, man. Okay, number five is a tough one. Let's go, let's go Nylon Green just because of the lack of experience, depth in the secondary. I'll go him number five. All right. All right, there you go. So that's recap. A.D. Mitchell, one. Brock Bowers, two. Mims, three. Kamar Lasker, four. Nylon Green, five. All right, I almost had it. I had Brock Bowers. Yeah, Brock Bowers, one. As one. I had, I, okay, I had Mims, two. Okay. Right. All right. I have, I have talked a lot about Brock Bowers. I can't, I can't get on you for that. Correct. I have talked a lot about him. Correct. All right, what's next? What do we got? All right, well, next up, Scotty asks, what percentage chance do you give for George Picks, bleh, Pickens returning in 2021? Having trouble there? I'm having a little trouble today. It's okay, it's okay. All so, right. will we see George Pickens on the field? I will lean towards yes, but with this caveat. I think I was asked this question on the Instagram Live video as well. And what I said there, for those of you who missed it, was, I think it depends on how the season goes. I think George could... Like, you don't know how these guys are going to heal. Everybody heals at different rates, okay? I know Amari Rogers a couple years ago, the Clemson former Clemson wide receiver, tore his ACL early in spring, right, right around the same time George did, and he was back for week one. George is not going to be back for week one. But I think it's 
I don't think it's unreasonable to say there's a chance, maybe not a side chance, but a chance that George could be back following the bye week going into the Florida game. And that, and that's, I don't have any inside information on that. That's just me throwing something out. I'm just saying it's not unreasonable by that point. Because how many months would that be, Charlie? So we go April, May, June, July, August, September, October. That's like, it's like almost eight months, seven and a half to eight months. And I know he might not be 100%, but he could potentially be healthy. And if not by then, maybe at some point in November, I'll say this. if When he is cleared to go, when he's cleared for full contact, fully cleared to go, if at that point we are still in contention for a playoff spot, I think the answer is yes. Because as I know George gets a lot of grief for being immature, and he's earned that at times, but he is a good – he's actually a good, really good dude, guys, behind the scenes. I don't know him, but I've just heard about he's, he is a, He's a guy that the teammates like. They love him. He loves his team. He wants to go out there and play. He's a competitor, and he wants to be out there. So, but he also has to think about his NFL future. So if we are in contention for a playoff spot for the SEC East, we're, we're right there. We beat Florida, for instance, and we're ready to go, then I think the answer is yes. At some point, he will be back this season. I can't predict. I don't know when. I, I, again, I don't think it's unreasonable to say around the Florida game, but I think yes. But if we're out of contention, I would say he might lean towards just opting out. So that's kind of how I'd approach that. We'll see. I think there's a very good chance, yes. A percentage chance? This doesn't sound crazy. 75%? All right. Is that too aggressive? I mean, uh, I... I mean, it used to be like a death sentence when you got an ACL tear. Sure. It's like, oh, it's, you're out for a year. It's like, things no. Things have changed. Yeah. For sure. We'll see. All right. Well, we're going to wrap things up with a couple of recruiting questions. So, Wyatt said that he watched Sam Horn and Travis Hunter dominate last night, and both will be playing their college ball outside the state of Georgia. He wants to know, is this just the sign, the latest sign, excuse me, of UGA's recruiting decline? Okay. Uh, Wyatt, I really appreciate the question, man. I understand where you're coming from. I watched that game, too. Um, as a former Gwinnett County product myself, I, I was watching that game very closely. And, yeah, I saw Sam Horn with over 400. Travis Hunter had, like, almost 250 receiving. A, a little bit of a slow start, by, but uh, they had a huge touchdown right before halftime after Brookwood turned the ball over, and then they just went off in the second half. Those guys are, are studs. They're very, very, very good. But let's not let's not lose our minds here. Okay, I just say that. Let's not go overboard here. The latest sign of Georgia's recruiting decline, guys. I got. I guess okay. If we don't finish the number one class, is, does that mean it's a recruiting, a recruiting decline, Charlie? Because I, I guess that's that's the expectation that Kirby has set, the standard he's set. I mean, some might say it's a decline. I, but, 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 I, I guess by I definition, you go from one to four or five. It's a quote-unquote decline, but you're still at the top five. And I think when it's all said and done, this will still be a top five class, potentially a top three class when everyone's signed, sealed, and delivered at the end of this cycle. I know we have missed on some guys that a lot of us wanted, but that happens in every class, guys. I mean, no, no team in Alabama, guys, gets beat for recruits. They don't sign everyone they want to sign. But in this case, it's, it, there's some context here. First off, Sam Horn is a very good player. Sam, Sam Horn is going to Missouri. Charlie, does Missouri beat Georgia for football players? No. That does not happen. If we wanted Sam Horn and we recruited him as our number one quarterback in this class, I feel very confident saying we could have gotten Sam Horn. However, we went all in on Gunnar Stockton, and we landed Gunnar Stockton. Gunnar Stockton is ranked inside the top 50. Sam Horn's not inside the top 100. Still, that's very good. Sam Horn's a really good prospect. Missouri has gotten a good one there. And I'll be curious to see if he ends up actually going to Missouri. He's also a baseball player, so maybe the the, uh, Major League Baseball draft factors in there. Sam Horn's good, but our coaches put more stock in Gunnar Stockton. No 
pun intended there. That's who they identified as their number one target at quarterback in this class, and we landed him. We're only taking one quarterback. You're not going to take, you can't get Gunnar Stockton and Sam Horn in the same class. That's not going to happen. They're two good of prospects. They don't want to kind of go in there together and compete against each other in the same class. So that one, like, come on, that's kind of a, re- I would say, I appreciate the question. I really do. A little bit of a reach there, I would say, just a little bit. I don't think that is an, any sort of indication that we are declining on the recruiting front when because we didn't land Sam Moore. Now, Travis Hunter, look, I know this guy's a top five player, man. This guy is insanely good. And I want Travis Hunter badly. Unfortunately for us, Travis Hunter is not a Georgia native. He does not have roots in the state of Georgia. He's a South Florida kid. He's from South Florida. His family has serious ties to Florida State. He was a Florida State fan growing up as a kid. That's when Florida State was kind of good, right? Remember those days? Florida State actually used to be a good program. So he's just been all in from day one on going to Florida State. And it's, yeah, I know he's in Georgia right now. He's in the Metro Atlanta area. A lot of people want to say, oh, it's just another example of Georgia not being able to recruit the Metro Atlanta area and not being able to get those Gwinnett County products. And look, we have, we, there have been some issues there, but a big part of that is because the Metro Atlanta area, Gwinnett County is a very transient area. A lot of people move into those areas for jobs, for, for family, for a variety of reasons. And Travis Hunter is one of those kids. He moved in from South Florida. That's where his roots are. So Florida State is the is more the obvious choice there. It was always going to be an uphill battle for us to get Travis Hunter. He's made very clear from basically day one that he's going to Florida State. And I think he's going to go to Florida State. I'm very confident that he's not going like, to—there's no flipping him. I don't think that's going to happen. But I get where you're coming from because you watch these two guys and wow, they're from the state of Georgia and they're not going to Georgia. I understand that, but you got to look at the context here as well. So I, I don't think, like, I'm not saying that we aren't recruiting as as well as we have in the, you know, going back to like 2018, 2019, because we're not right now with the number one class, number two class, but we're still like a top five recruiting program, top three really. And uh, let's just wait and see how this all plays out before it's all said and done. And those two guys, I, I just, I'm not really upset about them. Sam Horn, good player. I like Gunnar Stockton. Travis Hunter, incredible player. But we didn't really have a chance to get him from the get go. Just All did. Right. Well, we have one question left, and it's from Brad. He says Travis Shaw committed to UNC this weekend. So, how big of a blow is this to Georgia, and where do we go from here with defensive line recruiting? Yeah, in case you guys missed that, Travis Shaw, big-time defensive tackle prospect out of North Carolina. We were in there heavily with him. It's really us, Clemson, North Carolina. He ended up staying at home. North Carolina's doing a really good job on the recruiting trail, guys. They've had some success under Mac Brown on the field. He's parlaying that into some excitement on the recruiting trail as well. He's keeping some of those big-time prospects in his home state, their home in North Carolina. And that's a that's a pretty good recruiting state. Not as good as George, but they, but they do produce some big-time targets. And we've gone in there. We've got Todd Gurley. we got Keith Marshall. We've got a ton of guys from North Carolina. But we did not get this one, at least not right now. It's not over. You can never say it's over. Kirby is always good for a, a flip, a big flip or two late in the cycle. So we will continue to recruit Travis Shaw. I will not make any bones about this one, though. This is a pretty big loss for us on the recruiting trail. He's a guy that I had kind of circled as, like, my number one guy in this recruiting class, like, and on top of, like, my most wanted list. I really wanted Travis Shaw. And again, I still want Travis Shaw. He hasn't signed anything yet, so we're still going to recruit him. But I think he was a, a big-time candidate to be the heir apparent to Jordan Davis on the interior of our defense there at nose guard, which is a key part of what we do defensively, being able to, to stop the run with even numbers. So that is a blow to this recruiting class, but it's it's okay. They're, right now, like what I told you guys, going back 
early in the offseason was there's two guys in the defensive line that we I would really, really feel good about us landing one. I really want us to land at least one of them. And it was Travis Shaw or Walter Nolan. Walter Nolan is still out there, okay? I'm not saying we're going to get Walter Nolan, but he has made multiple visits to Athens over the course of the offseason throughout the summer. And he is a guy that is planning on coming back for a game or maybe multiple games this off, th- during this season. So we are still very much in the thick of it with Walt- for Walter Nolan. He's a top 10 prospect nationally, a big time defensive tackle prospect. We were going to get both those guys, Shaw and Nolan. I'm, I was hopeful that we would get at least one of them. And now our margin for error is reduced dramatically with Shaw coming to North Carolina right now, although we will certainly continue to recruit him. But Walter Nolan is still out there and we still have a very, very good shot to land him. It's still going to be an uphill battle. We're going to have to fight for him. But I think we still have a good shot to land him. Maybe as good a shot as anybody landing him right now. So he's the guy to really watch closely. Christian Miller from Cedar Grove is a, is a fringe top 100 prospect here from the state of Georgia, who I know our staff is really high on. We're going all in on him as well. So he'd be another great addition to this defensive line class. And then Sean Washington is another guy that we've been recruiting over the past. Uh, we've really kind of turned the heat up on him in the past month or so. I'd be certain he's not as highly rated as Travis Shaw, Walter Nolan, or even Christian Miller. So yeah, I know that if we end up landing a guy like Washington, people aren't going to be as excited, but our coaching staff has evaluated him. They are high on him and we were recruiting him pretty hard right now. So there's a couple names for you to watch. Obviously, Walter Nolan will be at the top there. Christian Miller just a little bit underneath him. And then Washington, Sean Washington will be another guy to watch over the next couple of months. But all right, that's it. That's it? All that's questions? That's it for today. All right, guys, that does it for today here on the Glory UGA Podcast. As always, I really appreciate you guys taking time out of your day. I know life is busy, so we appreciate you listening to the show here. If you get a chance, uh, give us one of those five-star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. It's a huge help to our, to our show as we continue to try to bring you our brand of Georgia football coverage. And also, follow us on Instagram, guys. You don't want to miss out. We're very close to having a second Instagram live video. I would love to do that. We had a lot of fun there. And maybe we'll just do it just to have fun anyway. But hop on there. Follow us. We have a lot of great content planned for you throughout this season. But uh, all right, guys. Have a great week for Charlie. I'm Tyler. Thanks for listening. And as always, go dogs.